Thanks for tuning in to our Cypress Church podcast. To learn more about our church, visit our website at cypresschurch.net and join us for our Sunday morning services at 9 and 11 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes for more. Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning. Thanks for coming out on a holiday weekend. Uh, My name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. I have a fan. <laughs> I take him with me everywhere I go. So, anyway, I, um, so this morning we're going to be, uh, continuing on in our, our, what's on? Uh, we're going to continue on in our all church focus. Pardon me for just a second. <laughs> Funny. Milk. Good question. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Are you guys curious as to what I'm doing? My, we're talking about going from curious to convinced this week. And so I thought, put a box up here and make them curious. And then I thought, I should, it works. Did you think there was something alive in it? That's maybe next week. So anyway, but why milk? I mean, milk for me, I like milk. And if I would have put tomato juice in here, I would have had to have somebody else drink it because, but um, it's milk because milk is a normal part of my day. I drink milk. I love milk. But I got to thinking, you know, it hasn't always been normal to drink milk. Somebody had to be that first person to see a cow and think, huh. And I, I don't know the exact historical facts on this, but I imagine it's a couple guys, right? And they're just on a walk, and it's hot. And they're walking, and he's like, Billy, I am so hot. Did you bring something to drink? Billy's like, no, I didn't bring anything to drink. But now I'm thirsty, too. Man, Billy. Billy, do you see that cow? <laughs> yeah? Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't think so. So I don't know what the conversation was, but I'm sure that there was maybe some arm wrestling involved or rock, paper, scissors or something. But Billy lost. right? And Billy has to go up to the cow. And so Billy takes a taste. He's like, hey, it's pretty good. It'd be better cold than with cookies. Right. Oreos. Absolutely. So. You see, they were part of the crowd. They were just walking down the street, and they saw the cow, and they became curious. And they had some conversation and probably some debate, and they became convinced when he tasted the milk, and the rest is history. We all drink milk. Yes. So my point is, 
is today we're going to look in John 9, and we're going to see Jesus bring a man from curious to convinced. All right? But before we jump in, is anybody curious as to what's in box B? Yes. I need somebody to help me. Who wants to volunteer? I need somebody. Come on up. Perfect. This is great. Yeah, that's probably smart. Here, we'll just come right over here. I know. I I think it's larger. All right. It's yours to open. What? There you go. And it's all yours. Oh. Yeah. How about that? Curiosity. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hold on. I got a question. I know. It was too easy, right? So, Shauna, where did you get these cookies? Hmm. Are you sure? Did you come in with cookies? You didn't wake up this morning and bring cookies with you? Do you carry cookies with you at all times? That's good. <laughs> all right. So you're sure you didn't have those cookies till just now? Absolutely. Okay. Well, I guess we'll never know. So give her a hand. <laughs> okay. So now that that curiosity is over, We can jump into our message this morning. Will you guys pray with me before we get started? Will you please stand? Sorry, that was a trick. Will you please stand with me while we pray? There we go. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and I thank you for the opportunity to jump into your word. God, to be able to come together as a community and sing praises to your name and to look into the Bible and have it speak to us. Lord, thank you for the stories that you put in this Bible, the answers that are there. Lord, I just ask that you would speak to us today. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so if you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and say, open to John 9. And if you don't have a Bible, our ushers have them. Just raise your hand and they'll hand one to you. You can use it this morning. And then at the end of the service, you can just leave it on your chair and they'll pick it up. So today we are in the middle of our all-church focus. It's called Game On. And this is a study through the Gospel of John, focusing on the path each of us takes in our journey relationship with Christ. We go from the crowd, where we don't know anything about God or care we're not thinking about Him, to curious, hmm, there's something about this God to convinced, you know, there is a God, to committed, I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, to the commission, where we say, here I am, Lord, send me, I want to help others know you. So last week, Pastor Mike went through John 4, looking at the Samaritan woman at the well. She was a great example 
of someone going from the crowd to the curious. And this week, we're going to look at Jesus' interaction with a blind man and see how he goes from curious to convinced. John 9, verses 1 through 7 says, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing. We start off with a question from the disciples asking about sin. See, it was common for the Jewish leaders back in this time to teach that illness or bad things were a direct result of your sin. If something was wrong, you're sinning. And there's actually whole messages or series that could be taught on this and we could dig into it. And that's not our focus. So I do want to look at verse 3 where Jesus answers it. He said, it is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So he's saying there's, this isn't a sin issue. Okay, this is another thing. And just a couple things. There is a difference between all sin resulting in sin and consequences of sin. Sure, when we do something wrong, um, if we were to drink and drive and become paralyzed, sin brought that on. All bad things, all illness does not come from sin. I want you to think about all the healthy sinners there are in the world. There's some really bad people enjoying really long, healthy lives. It doesn't add up. And I, I can almost guarantee that every single one of us in this room knows somebody who loves the Lord is a godly person and who has suffered from a disease or cancer or even died. This equation doesn't add up, and Jesus answered it in verse 3. Another quick point here, God did not make this man blind to show his power. All right? God chose a man who was blind to bless, to show his love, his compassion, and his power. See, God can use even the worst circumstances for his glory. And this man, this blind man, is about to become blessed. In verses 4 and 5, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am the world, I am the light of the world. So see, Jesus is in full ministry mode here. He's, he's reached the age where he's engaged. He was born, he was a baby, he was a child, he was a teenager. He grew, and when 
he hit 30, he hit the ground running. He's fully aware of his three-year time span. He knows the cross is coming. So he's going to use every single opportunity, encounter, to perform a miracle, show a sign, answer a question, teach. See, while Jesus is alive, he can do that. He uses this analogy. It's day. While it's day, I'm here to work. And when it's night after the cross, I can't. I'm done. That's a different. And in verse 4, it says, we. We are the we. We must work the works of he who sent me. We have a job to do. If we've accepted Christ, then we have a job to go share with others. It is our day. When we die, it's our night. We don't have this opportunity anymore. So this is our chance. So this blind man was clearly in the crowd, right? He didn't see Jesus. He wasn't thinking Jesus' thoughts. He wasn't asking friends to go get Jesus. He was just sitting there. And Jesus came to him. And today I want to think about this. I want to look at this story through the blind man's perspective. Okay? He woke up. He was just, his day was planned. I go, I sit at the gate, and hopefully people give me money. And as he's sitting there in darkness, like he's done every day, he hears someone come close. He hears them spit and then start stirring. He's got to be curious. I mean, he stayed put. He didn't scooch away, right? And now as he's sitting there, he feels someone touch his face. And start anointing his eyes, putting mud that he knows was just made in his eyes. And he doesn't freak out. He sits there. This man is so curious, he's going to sit and wait. And then he hears this man tell him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. What is it about this interaction that makes this guy sit here through this? And then get up and go. See, there's something about Jesus. This man is so curious. And our curious longs to be satisfied. We want to stay longer, pay attention, find the answers. So remember, he still can't see. He has to make it to the pool on his own. And this isn't easy. And so many times... Our road to Jesus is not easy. Even after we've accepted Christ and we're committed and we're we're living for him, I tell you, there's certain days where I get up and it seems like every person I talk to is putting mud in my eyes and making my day hard. But I have to do like this man, trust that something's going to happen, that Jesus is going to be there. So he goes, he makes it to the pool, 
And now he starts to rinse his eyes. And he's never seen, he's never seen anything before in his life. And all of a sudden there's this crack of light. Light that he can't even imagine. And for the first time, his eyes focus. He can see. This is amazing. I mean, this is a miracle. And, you know, sometimes I think that the longer we read the Bible, we underappreciate just how amazing this is or how hard it was for someone or how crazy things seem. We think, well, they're in the Bible. They're tough. They did it. They're in here for a reason. But it's not. That's not true. They were living life every single day, just like you and I do, moment by moment, in real time. He was sitting at that gate, being blind, not thinking of anything, and he had to make these decisions. Jesus interrupts his day, makes him so curious, he goes and he washes. Remember, this man has never seen anything in his life before, and now he can see. I want you just to look around this room at the colors in this room. Look at your family, who you're sitting next to, or your friends. I mean, it brings a smile to your face. He's seeing things for the first time. This is an amazing moment. This is a miracle, and our God is a God of miracles. Let's continue in verse 8. It says, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, it is someone like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. And so they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered, the man called Jesus made mud. He anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. And they said to him, well, where is he? He says, I don't know. So this is cool. This is one of the rare chances we get to see beyond the miracle. So many miracles, Christ does the healing and they go away. But we actually kind of get to spend about a week or so with this guy and see what this miracle does in his life. How does it change? So, and remember, this guy's living life in real time, but so are his family his neighbors, his friends, they've never seen anything like this before either. So for them, this is the man who sits at the corner and is blind. And now they see him walking and seeing. It makes sense. How can he do this? They're curious and they have questions. He can see. You see, miracles were not an everyday thing at this point. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, there's only a handful of miracles recorded. Uh, King, um, King Hezekiah is healed from dying, and Naaman is healed from leprosy. Elijah heals the widow's son. There's a few more, but that's it. So the whole Old Testament, right? We just have about six recorded healings. And Jesus comes, he starts his ministry, he knows he has three years, and he is going for it. And there's 
miracle, miracle, sign, wonder, miracle. He has a job to do. So these neighbors have never seen a miracle before. So they are curious. They have questions. And they're like, isn't this the guy that used to sit and beg? And they keep asking him, and he keeps saying, I am the man. I am the man. He knows who he was, and he knows who he is now. So their question is, how? How were your eyes opened in 10 and 12? And he tells them the story. Jesus came, made mud, put it on my eyes. I went, I washed. I can see. But as you can see, he doesn't really know how his eyes were opened. He's just telling them what happened. Right? In 1989, my mom was diagnosed with stage four cancer, given six months to live. We went to the hospital. It was a, a average, normal operation, they said, no big deals. The surgeon came out, told my dad, I watched my dad collapse in sadness. Mom has six months to live. And we just started praying. And God, in his miraculous way, it was literally almost monthly she would go back for this trial treatment that they didn't put much hope in. And they said, hey, you know what? We made a mistake. You're not level four, stage four, you're stage three. And the next month they said, you know what? You're not stage three. You're stage two. We can't explain it. We know that it was stage four when we took it out. The next month, stage one. And the next month, there's no sign of cancer. It's a miracle. I don't know how it happened. I don't care how it happened. I got 20-some more years with my mom. God works in mysterious ways. So now, just like us, everyone was curious. So verse 13, they brought the Pharisee, well, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, Sometimes we give the Pharisees a bad name, and which is mostly right. But in this case, it wasn't a mean thing, which is what I had always thought. Like, what church? You know, they're taking him to the Pharisee. But we go to the Bible when we're curious. When we're curious, we need to go to God's word. And so these guys were curious. They're like, let's go to the Pharisees. They know all things of God. Only a miracle can come from God. That's what they'd heard. So they head out to see if they can get some answers. See, curiosity can bring questions. And we need to be careful where we go for our answers. That's why I said we need to go back to the Bible. And these guys went to the most godly men they went to. And so it's kind of tell us the story. And so verse 14 says, And it was this, now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, boy. See, this is the Pharisee's thing. You don't do anything on the Sabbath. You just don't. It's the law. And they had made up so many laws about so many things, and clearly spitting in the mud or dirt and making mud is working on the Sabbath. Right? So it makes them mad. They get so focused on this one thing, on this detail, that they miss the miracle. And verse 15, 
So the Pharisees again asked him how he would receive his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. They're talking about Jesus, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So there was a division among them. You know, that's something else curiosity can do is lead to division. We look at the answers and we, you find the truth, you believe it, but some won't, don't want to believe the truth and it can divide. So these neighbors were hoping for answers and they got more questions and they got a division in the leaders. When we're curious, we need to investigate to make a decision. And some of these leaders are becoming convinced. And some of them are even more upset. So the leaders try again in verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Talking about Jesus, since he opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. So did you catch this? He's, he's answering his neighbor's questions, the Jewish questions. And as he's doing this, He's becoming convinced. He says right here, he's a prophet. He's convinced this man is a man of God. And he says it for the first time right here. But this didn't convince the Jewish leaders. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Well, first, here the Jewish leaders clearly get the answer, the truth, that he was born blind. But instead of accepting this answer, they ignore that. I don't think they want it to be true. And verse 22 says his parents were afraid because of that threat to kick anyone who believes in Christ out of the synagogue. You know, to, the, to us, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, if I get kicked out of Cypress Church, I can go to Cottonwood. Right? Or Seacoast, or Not Avenue, West Cypress. Any one of a hundred churches close by. But that's our culture, not this culture. This culture, the synagogue was their life. It was their community. It's where everything happened. And to be kicked out of it was life-changing. And they weren't up to it. So his parents, who had this child who was born blind and can now see, are going to ignore that fact just so they can stay here. Basically, they took a step back and abandoned their son. So I'm going to, pause the message here for a second. As the family ministry pastor, I'm going to throw in a couple family ministry thoughts. Okay? So, 
as parents, as grandparents, we need to encourage curiosity in our children. Curiosity can lead to wonder, discovery, and passion. We need to look for ways to create curiosity. Reading Bible stories at bedtime, praying together as a family, family devotion time. I mean, when we do this with our kids, you'll start seeing those cogs rolling, and they're going to become curious, and they're going to come up with amazing questions. You can see it happen right before your eyes. You know what? Partner with the church. We have great Sunday school programs and midweek programs to engage kids and teach them and help them build in knowledge and love for God. Tuesday night is our youth group, junior high and high school. And this Wednesday is the kickoff of our Shine Wednesday night program for preschool through sixth grade. It's a phenomenal program. Kids have so much fun and man, their curiosity can run and they're going to get answers, the truth. So we also have events and opportunities for these, for your children to invite their friends, to help your friends, your neighbors come and become curious about Christ. That's what it's about. And then my last point is, please don't be John 9 parents. Be there for your children. Believe and support in them. All right. Back to the sermon. Remember at the beginning how silly it seemed when we had the bucket of cookies and I started asking the questions, did you have these cookies? Did you bring these cookies? It was ridiculous. And she handled it great. She could have been like annoyed or she's like, dude, you clearly handed me the cookies. But that's exactly what is happening to this poor man. They have questioned him. They've questioned his parents. And now they're going to come at him again in verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And when they say give glory to God, they're saying, tell the truth. You are a liar who lies. Tell the truth. Give glory to God. And they didn't really want the truth. They wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. (sighs) He answered, whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? Whoops. <laughs> right? So right here, he's convinced. He's fully convinced. He's been answering their questions. He's been processing what's happening. And he's looking at their face because he can see. And I'm pretty sure he's not seeing love. And so he comes to the decision. He comes to the conclusion that the man who healed me is a man of God. And these leaders, they don't really want the truth. And so he kind of 
nudges them a bit, right? Do you want to be one of his disciples? Well, they let him have it. Verse 28, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. Reviled. I don't want to ever, ever hear that about me. Somebody reviling me. But you know what? He's not shaken. He can see. He knows what happened. I'm, I'm falling in love with this guy. He's so cool. Just a couple of days ago, he was in the crowd. No hope, blind, begging. Jesus seeks him out, puts mud on his eyes, and tells him to go wash in the pool, which he does. And out of his curiosity, Jesus is able to perform a miracle and heal him. And then answering all these questions, he becomes convinced. And listen to what he has to say to these leaders. Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. He's so convinced he doesn't care if they kick him out. As a matter of fact, he doesn't particularly want to be in community with these guys who are going to ignore God's work. Curiosity can lead to growth. He grew. He paid attention. He listened. And he made a decision. He became convinced. Now let's watch his interaction with Jesus when Jesus comes to check on him. Jesus heard what they, that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So Jesus finds him again, which is so like Jesus. Jesus is always there for us. Matthew 28, 20 says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus asked this man, Do you believe in the Son of God? He is ready. He's like, Yes. He answers, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And can you imagine his heart? When Jesus says, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. The man who gave him sight, who brought light into his world, tells him that he is the Son of Man. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. This is a miracle. So this whole passage is such a great picture of how Christ helps us grow. Jesus comes to us the same way that he came to this man who was sitting blind, begging, at a gate. He created a spark of curiosity in him. He creates a spark of curiosity in us and puts us with people and in situations where we can have answers to our questions. 
You see, Jesus meets us where we are. So if you're part of the convinced, committed, or commissioned, I want you to take a moment and think back to when you went from the crowd to the curious to convinced. How did Jesus reach out to you? What did that look like? Who helped in that? And then I want you to think of the people you work with, your friends, your neighbors. How can you help someone move from curious to convinced or from the crowd to the curious to convinced? If you're still part of the curious, how can we help? What questions are you wrestling with? What can help make, help you make the transition from curious to convinced? Is Jesus the Christ, the Son of God? Now, what do you think about all of these miracles? So, near later in the service, there's going to be an opportunity. If you have questions, if you're part of the curious, or if you're part of the commission, and you want, I mean, to to go further, to, to reach out, come up and talk to one of the pastors that's going to be up front. I encourage you. You know, John 20, verses 30 and 31 say, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, again, I thank you for this morning, the opportunity to come together with our church family and dig into your word, sing praises to your name, and just lift your name up together. So Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the story of this blind man who just fell in love with you, Lord. Lord, we just give you the rest of our day, the rest of our weekend. We pray this in your name. Amen.